0: Welcome to speak for yourself, or should I say welcome to speak for yourself. Looking like Kevin Durant. We got a huge show today. It's the biggest power struggle in all of sports, Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. In case you haven't been paying attention, Kevin Durant wants out of Brooklyn, but finally, thank goodness... Owner Josai, hey, he said enough of that. KD, I get it. You want the GM, you want the head coach out, but I ain't playing these games. Josiah, in his words, not my own, he took to Twitter. Yes, billionaires, they do, in fact, take to Twitter. He took to Twitter and said, hey, our front office and coaching staff, they have my support. We will make the decisions in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets. Thank you, Josiah, for putting your foot down. Because I don't get it. Kevin Durant, you got paid $38 million by this man, Joe to rehab. Then you got paid another $38 million the following season by this man, Joe to play in 35 games. KD, you were making more than a million dollars per game. Then get this, this man, Joe paid you, KD, 200 194 million to be exact, million dollars for four more years after you only played 35 games in KD. You got the audacity to say, hey, I want to be traded. It makes absolutely no sense to me. Josiah brought KD to Gotham to be Batman, but it appears that KD is being nothing but a joker. KD is an incredible, incredible basketball player. He's a questionable teammate, but he's a terrible negotiator. Kudos to Josiah for not negotiating with this man. Kevin Durant. Well, I got to bring in some people whose opinions I do want, teammates that I want to play with. That's Slick Rick Buecher and co-host of The Herd, the one and only Joy Taylor. Ladies, gentlemen, let's start it off. Slick Rick, what do you make of the Nets' power
1: struggle? Uh, Not surprised, and I've seen this happen before, but essentially this is Kevin Durant saying, I really don't want to leave Brooklyn. I don't want to leave Kyrie Irving. But what have we done that is going to convince me that we're going to be better next season than we have been up to now? Nothing has happened. In fact, they made the deal for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons lets the team know that uh, or doesn't let them know, ghosts them on a chat prior to game four, saying uh, when they were asking whether he was going to play or not. And Katie's looking at this and going, well, this is not what I signed up for. And yes, you made the point that they had all this money. That they have given Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant knew he was going to get that money all along. Whether it was Joe Sy gave it to him or somebody else, he's wondering why that man (laughs) that you referenced did not pay Kyrie Irving what he could have paid him. Why he has the guy that he went to Brooklyn to build this team and this franchise and this supposedly this uh, dynamic uh, team that they were going to put together. Uh, why he's not getting paid, why he's not guaranteed that he's going to be there beyond this season. So that's why Kevin Durant is looking at it and saying, so who's at the heart of all this, Joe? Well, it's Sean Marks, the GM, and it's Steve Nash, the head coach. And if we're in a bind with Ben Simmons, it's because you guys didn't anticipate that him signing a rookie salary scale extension at the max was going to mean that we couldn't get any of the other rookie scale max players In exchange or in anything else that we did. So we were hamstrung. So he's looking at this and he's thinking, okay. and Steve Nash, we we got swept. We didn't make any profound changes against the Boston Celtics. If I'm looking at trying to win right now with this crew, I don't see the path there
0: real quick, Joy, before you go, I need Slick Rick Buecher to recant this story for me that has shaken up uh, the internet, if yes. you will. Yes. Uh, Kevin Durant was in a group message with Ben Simmons before game four, round one. They ask Ben Simmons if Ben Simmons is going to play in the game, and Ben Simmons doesn't respond. He just leaves the chat. Now, you told Joy on the herd, I need you to tell me on Speak for Yourself. Yes. Give me some
1: details some, around that. Well, there's somewhere somewhere between game three and game four, and there was a question whether ben Ben was going, to, was, was going to gut it out and try to play. Obviously, he needed back surgery. But the question was, was he going to uh, try to, to suck it up and play? And so they were on a group chat, the players, and they put it to him. Like, what's the deal? And Ben didn't, not only did he not answer, but I'm told he left the chat. So it left them in limbo. And if you'll recall, he wasn't on the bench for game four. Mm. So... I'm told that the conversation with Tsai was one, was step one in terms of can we convince Kevin to stay? And the other and I don't know that this has happened or is if it's going to happen was to find a, a middle ground to get together with Ben Simmons and to say, can we can we mend that fence?
0: Understand, Joy, where what do you make of the power struggle between the Nets and Kevin Durant? It's really shaken up the basketball world.
2: I think this is what the Nets are. This is what they've always been. Some teams just have a tradition, and the Nets (laughs) tradition is, we're gonna start to build a little momentum, we're gonna blow everything up for some stars, and then it's gonna fall apart much faster than we anticipated, and then we're gonna have to start over again. That's what we like to do. That's what the Nets are. The Nets have no identity, they have no culture, And essentially, they don't have much of a backbone either. I don't know that I'm taking that Joe Psy tweet quite as literally as you are. It is a nice statement of support for his (laughs) GM and coach, but he can move off of that without really being crucified. I I support our front office. Mm -hmm. It's it's nice to have support. But we'll be making the best decision in the interest of the Brooklyn Nets, which Mm -hmm. is like, I support you. I'm not... Just going to let these rumors fly rampant. I'm going to say something. I don't know that that is just a complete rousing endorsement that I'm trading Kevin Durant and I am keeping Sean Marks and Steve Nash. This is what the Nets are. You remember they did this with KG and Paul Pierce, Mm. right? They brought KG and Paul Pierce in. They were 44 and 38. They lost in the second round to the Heat. And Paul Pierce left that season for the Wizards. KG stayed. They lost in the first round to the Hawks, 4-2, after finishing 38-44. and Let's fast forward a little bit. The Nets were 42-20 and made to the playoffs in the 2018-19 season before Kyrie and KD came to Brooklyn. Lost in the first round to the 76ers. Perfectly respectable season. Building a little momentum with some young guys. Get them all out of here. Here we go. Kyrie and Kevin Durant. What has happened since Kyrie and KD have arrived? They have lost in the first round to the Raptors. They have lost in the second round to the Bucks, And they have lost in the first round to the Celtics, being the only team swept in the postseason oh. this year. Gosh. This is what the Brooklyn Nets are. So... Whether KD is winning this negotiation or the Nets are winning this negotiation, I don't know that there is a clear winner or loser in the situation. I don't blame Kevin Durant for trying to take control of his career. This is what Kevin Durant is at this point. The Nets knew what they were signing up for. To Rick's point, they did not extend Kyrie Irving, which was one of the main reasons why KD went there. James Harden is no longer there. Ben Simmons, I believe, plays basketball when I see Ben Simmons on a (laughs) basketball court. Mm -hmm. So what is, what is really there for Kevin Durant besides a contract? People talk about these contracts like they're blood oaths. You can get out of a contract. People do it all the time. It's called divorce. They're, they're not a blood oath. It's not a, it's not a, this is your child. This is always your, your child. This is a contract. People rip them up. People restructure them. Mm-hmm. People change them all the time. So this idea that he has a contract, therefore he owes something. Kevin Durant can get out of this situation. The way I look at this meeting with Josiah is very simple. Kevin Durant still wants out of Brooklyn. Things seem mm. to have stalled. There have been massive deals presented, or at least rumored, out there for Kevin Durant, and there has been no movement. It's been a bit of a standstill. Mm-hmm. So let me just give you a little shove over the edge there, since you have all the leverage right now. You, don't, you want me to stay here? You've got to fire the head coach, and you've got to fire the GM.
0: Here's the truth, I think, though. Players can't so much get out of contracts. They have to be let out of contracts. And I think the difference is we assume Kevin Durant can just get out. Can't really just get out. Psy has to say, you know what? Fine, KD. Here's a door. You can go. I love what Joe Psy said because Joe Psy has to remember he's a billionaire fighting a millionaire, a multi-billionaire fighting a millionaire. So even if KD does, in fact, want to get out, he's still got to get permission. Yeah. And in the midst of all this superstardom, in the midst of millions of Twitter followers, in the midst of a bunch of ha-has and retweets and likes and all of the things, we start to assume that players have more power than they actually do have. KD got a whole lot of power. But truth be told, the only power that Kevin Durant has is a power that Joe Cy gives him. I also would be remiss if we didn't mention... What has KD ever done to show you he can properly construct a team or a coaching staff or a general manager staff, a managerial staff? What? Mm -hmm. When KD won, he went to a roster that was already built, a general manager in place, a head coach that was already a Hall of Famer before KD showed up more than likely in Steve Kerr. So KD hasn't done anything to let me know, you know what? I should take your advice because if I get rid of Steve Nash and I get rid of Sean Marks, who am I replacing yeah. them for? Because you, Katie, wanted me to bring Steve Nash in in the first place. So why would I listen
1: to you now when you want me to get rid of him? Slip. Well, so there's two par- There's two values to any player. And you are right. He can't just unilaterally leave. He can't, he he needs Joe Tsai to say, I'm going to make a deal to send you someplace else. Mm-hmm. So there is that. However, there's also just the power of NBA players and superstars and the value that they carry. And it goes beyond being able to build a team and being able to win games. It's being able to sell tickets. Yep. It's being able to sell sponsorships. And Kevin Durant has enough stardom that that pulls a lot of weight when you're trying to sell season tickets. I, I can go see Kevin Durant. All right, so take him away. What, I'm, I'm working in the season ticket office. Uh, you wanna come see Kyrie? Well, is he gonna play? I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you go down that rabbit hole really quick and it, and it undercuts you in terms of the business side of things. I love the history lesson that you gave us, Joy. Uh, I I thought it was incredibly wise. Even though we're talking about different players, we're talking about different owners, we're talking about different management, the Nets have done this, and other teams have too. Correct. Like, we're just going to go get the stars and then work off of that and everything's going to be okay. You have to go get the right stars. And because you are, they do have power. And you have to understand that it has to be a collaborative effort. And from the very beginning, this was not. This was KD dictating things, Kyrie dictating things. And then halfway through, you go, okay, by the way, KD, it's just you. It's not Kyrie. And he's looking at it going, wait a minute, this was a package deal. That's where the trouble started and I don't know that it's going to change unless the Nets take a different view of Kyrie. But
2: also, when you look at teams that go and get stars and don't blow it up for those stars, it's successful because there's a culture that already exists. Mm. KD went to a culture that already existed, a winning culture, a winning coach, a dedicated owner, a stable situation. He was plugged into that. When LeBron went to Miami, yes, Chris Bosh also came, but Dwayne Wade was already a champion. Pat Riley was already a champion. That... Organization was already well run, well run. They didn't blow up their entire roster in order to get them. They, in fact, took less money to all play together. We see Kawhi going to the Raptors. Obviously, he didn't force his way there, but they already had an established culture. They were already at the top of the Eastern Conference year after year after year. They just needed that extra something. They needed a little more seasoning in the pot and they got it. That's, what, that's how you add a star and it puts you over the edge. When you blow up your entire culture and roster in order to bring stars in, you're negating the, the foundation of what is getting those stars there. And sometimes those stars don't care, Katie and Kyrie, about that. But it very quickly became obvious, there's nothing to build on here. It's just us and you're top heavy and you don't have a deep roster and you don't have a bench and you don't have a coach that can come in with some bravado and say, no, this is not the way we're doing it. And you can respect what I'm saying because I've won championships yeah. here. I built this house that you're walking into and putting your stardom on top of. And as, as far as a billionaire arguing with a millionaire, I'm not saying the contract's not binding, but there are one percenters in everything. Joe is a one percenter of one percenter on yeah. earth as mm-hmm. this powerful billionaire. KD is a one percent of the one percent of the one percent of humans on earth that can do what he does. KD is more valuable in, this, in, in his lane than a billionaire owning a team.
0: So that's a, that's a, good, that's a fair point. I can't say goes as far as to say it's an extraordinary point. It's a fair point. The reason I will build on that point is this. If KD is that valuable, I wouldn't let him go. When owners and teams finally dig their heels in, we have rarely see players win. If, the, if Josiah were like, hey, KD, here's what's going to happen. We're not getting rid of you. And we're not getting rid of Steve Nash. So you can either play and make your money or you can not play and we'll still pay you. But in football, we saw what happened with Le'Veon Bell, who sat a whole season and, you know, very familiar with your Steelers. Hey, I ain't playing. Mm -hmm. Okay, Le'Veon Bell has recently, within the last three weeks, said that was one of the biggest regrets of his life. Obviously, Deshaun Watson had a very unique set of legal circumstances. But even if you all remember, before the legal circumstances, Deshaun was like, hey, I'm not playing Houston. Clearly so many other things unfolded, but we saw how that has worked out for Deshaun Watson. If KD were to sit back and say, all right, fine, I'm not playing. He loses even more than Josiah loses. If we're being honest, that's why I'm like, if I am Josiah, I'm digging my heels into the ground. I already gave you two hundred thirty million dollars for five years. I paid you thirty eight million dollars just to rehab. What have you given me in return? A forty nine point game? Thank you. What have you given me in return? One series win? Thank you. I gave you $230
1: million. Right now, you're winning, Kevin Durant. I like where you're going with that because I believe that's the beginning of a culture. Somebody has to say, I'm running the show here. And it can't be, we often say the inmates running the asylum. It, It can't work that way. You need someone who's able to take the big view. I don't know if Josiah has that ability, but... This is what I know about star players. And it goes to the very beginning when you were talking about all the things that they did for KD. And we've said this many times, right? Like, you did all these things. You you did it with, you brought Kyrie in with you. You signed DeAndre Jordan. You co-signed that Steve Nash was going to be there. You did all these things. KD, how can you now say I want to leave because it didn't work? This is what I know about star players is that they have demands and they have ideas of what's going to work. But they expect the GM and the head coach to only co-sign the things that they know are going to work. Like, if, it, if it's not going to work, you may want it, KD, we're not doing that. We're doing this. And if that works, KD's not going to go, oh, I'm mad that we didn't do it my way. He's going to go, thank God you did that. But if you co-sign his idea and it doesn't work, he's not looking at it going, <laughs> oh, it's my fault. It's like, Well, dude, you're you're the coach. You're the GM. You shouldn't have co-signed it. But I
2: I, I don't love the inmates running the asylum thing because KD is more established right now in this in this role than Steve Nash is as a coach. Steve Nash has not done anything to prove that he should keep this job. I don't know what Sean Marks has done to show that he could keep this job. They are not untouchable. Kevin Durant, when I say he is irreplaceable, is because he, he is on the court. He is the one selling the tickets. Right. He is the draw for the fans. Nobody's showing up for Steve Nash and Sean Marks. Nobody's <laughs> showing up for Joe Sy. They want to see Kevin Durant play basketball. They want to see Kyrie Irving play basketball. They want to see Ben Simmons play basketball. That's all the that fans care about, and fans are the ones giving you the money and supporting the team.
1: But you're not building culture and
2: doing it. You're that. not, but... I don't buy it. When do you dig your heels in? You dig your heels in when Kyrie says he's not going to play. You send the message during the season when Kyrie says, I'm only playing 23 regular season games this year. Now you're so far behind. You're digging in now for what? What happens if KD does sit? He could sit. And then what are you selling this year to fans? You're selling, you're selling drama, which no one cares about. You're selling KD not being on the court. Eventually, you are going to move off of KD because you're not going to win. So you're going to be worse this year without KD on the court. KD has plenty of money if he wanted to sit, which I don't think he will. You're going to be talked about all season long for being a disaster, which you are. It's fine to establish a culture. But what are you building that
0: culture on? I would call his bluff. That's what it comes down to. I do not think... KD is a basketball purist. We don't know much of what and whom KD loves, but we know this much. He loves the game of basketball. If I am Josiah, I'm calling KD's bluff. KD, if you want to sit, go ahead. But you saw how much you liked missing a season when you had to sit because of a torn Achilles? I doubt you voluntarily want to give up the season of your life. Coming up... Baker Mayfield, as we transition to football, well, he reportedly has the upper hand as it pertains to the Carolina Panthers' quarterback battle. But does he deserve to come in and steal the starting job from Sam Darnold right away? Oh, we got to talk about... About that. After one of the greatest games in recent memory, the MLB returns to the place where dreams come true. Relive the magic when the Reds take on the Cubs for one game in heaven. One game at the Field of Dreams. Coverage begins Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern on Fox and the Fox Sports app. Well, so speaking of living a dream, Baker Mayfield may be starting again. He's off to Carolina and apparently they're holding an open competition. Well, despite getting familiar with the offense, Baker has been impressive. And reports say he has the upper hand over Sam Darnold and that the job is clearly Baker Mayfield's to lose. As a Baker Mayfield fanatic, I think there's a low throw threshold for being Baker Mayfield fanatic. (laughs) I've been a Baker Mayfield fanatic, dating back joy to his days at Oklahoma. I loved him. I loved his confidence. I loved the swagger. I loved the man. And you still love him the same. I do because of what he did for the team that drafted me, the Cleveland Browns. Uh -uh. That's why I have no issue with Baker Mayfield getting this starting job in Carolina. I have no issue with it being his to lose. They always say this in NFL locker rooms during training camp. Now, I hated training camp for several reasons, but I vividly remember this one quote more than any. Gentlemen, your job is not to make the team. Your job is to make the league. Now. That quote may have really resound with me as a backup as opposed to a starter, but it was a quote that has pierced the brain of mine and stayed there forever. Your job is not to make the team. Your job is to make the league. What does that mean? 32 teams in the National Football League. Even if you don't make this team, make sure you make a team because you are auditioning for every single team every time you step on the field. So Baker Mayfield getting the starting job over Sam Darnold right now in Carolina is justified. Because it is constantly an audition in the National Football League. And thus far, through the first four and five years of their career, Baker Mayfield has auditioned and performed better than Sam Darnold, regardless of their locations. The Browns were just as inept as the Jets. The Browns actually were worse off than the Jets, but Baker Mayfield was more successful in Cleveland than Sam Darnold was in New York. Enter Carolina, enter Cleveland. That's last year. Baker Mayfield still had probably a just as much success in Cleveland as tumultuous as that situation was as Sam Darnold in New York. I understand Baker hasn't done anything in Carolina just yet. I get that. But you're auditioning for the league you're not just auditioning for a team just like a company can extract a executive from another company slick and instantly Mm -hmm. promote them to ceo Mm -hmm. baker mayfield can be extracted from cleveland and instantly be promoted to the starter and i personally have no issue with it slick what do you say
1: well you know i engage fanatics on social media on a regular basis and you certainly sound like one and you are finding that perfect prism to explain why baker mayfield Deserves, deserves the starting job. He does not deserve the starting job. He very well may win it. He may be doing it right now on the reports. And I personally, I don't know why it makes me smile that he may be the starter. It makes me happy that he was gonna he's gonna be the starter. Maybe it's because he played the Browns the first week, and that's I can't wait to see that potentially happen. But no, he doesn't deserve it because you're just looking at what he's accomplished in in just numbers. And the problem with Baker Mayfield and the reason that he found his way out of Cleveland wasn't purely because of numbers. It was because of the chemistry of the team and sure. how he led as a quarterback. So I can't say that automatically going into Carolina, that he deserves to be the starter. And I wouldn't want it to be that way for the Carolina Panthers, Or Baker Mayfield, because what we've seen with Baker Mayfield is that he is at his best, not when he feels that he's getting what he deserves, but when he has to fight for it. That's when we see the best Baker Mayfield. So I believe that's why we're seeing the best Baker Mayfield now. I don't want to take that away from him. I'm not going to say, Baker, you deserve it until we get to the very end. Besides, it's an open competition. Is the competition over? No. If it's an open competition, then no one deserves the job. Otherwise, it's not a competition. (laughs) Joy? I
2: I am not a Baker Mayfield fanatic. I have been a Baker supporter over time. I, I enjoyed his college career immensely. Uh, There were definitely moments throughout Baker's professional career where I was on his side. I have sold every drop of my Baker Mayfield stock, and I feel great about it. I had to sell uh, very low. It was unfortunate. But that's what I get for buying into anything that the Cleveland Browns do. Won't be doing that again. Baker does not deserve anything. Deserve is a very specific word, right? So if I'm going to answer the question directly, no, he does not deserve anything. If you are involved in a quarterback competition, honey— you don't deserve any. That wasn't for me. You're going to, have to, you're going to have to earn every bit of the starting time that you're getting because you are involved in a quarterback competition. As I say all the time, if you have more than one quarterback, you have no quarterback. Mm. Who is not in a quarterback competition? That would be the Kansas City Chiefs. That would be the Buffalo Bills. That would be the Baltimore Ravens. Who is in a quarterback position? Carolina Panthers, Pittsburgh Steelers, the Seattle Seahawks. We don't really feel great about where those teams are going this year. And mm-hmm. I don't think we feel great about where Carolina is going this year. The point is, he hasn't earned anything. And I'm not a big earned person when there's something already in place, when he's been there and they're bringing in somebody to kind of push him. OK, maybe maybe he's earned some uh, goodwill with the team for uh, been there for a couple years. He had some big wins. Maybe he's coming off of an injury or something. None of that is the case with Baker Mayfield in Carolina. I don't want to go off all the awful numbers from last year. There's a lot of them. They're bad. Boo. He did not have a good year last year. We know he was injured. He chose to bet on himself in that situation. The result was the numbers were terrible. They lost. He's no longer in Cleveland for multiple reasons, like Rick mentioned. That said, he is a better quarterback than Sam Darnold, which is why we're hearing all the reports that it is his job to lose. Agreed. However, competition is not over. He needs to earn every bit of it. But Baker Mayfield is not a good quarterback either. Is he a starting quarterback in, a, in this league? Mm. Sure. What does that mean? There are some teams with starting quarterbacks this year that we don't have very high expectations for, as some of them I just mentioned. He hasn't earned anything in Carolina. He, he has to. I'm sure that he will get the starting job because he is a better quarterback than Sam Darnold, regardless of how last year went
0: joy a wise man once told me be careful of straddling the fence you might rip your jeans
2: Um, not if you wear stretchy pants
0: (laughs) (laughs) baker mayfield even based upon what you say i would take that and say well based even upon what you say give him the starting job he deserves a starting job it's very simple typically in football the person who gets paid higher gonna start or the person that's better is gonna start now typically the person who gets paid higher or paid more is better. So we don't often have to get into that debate. But I'm starting you if I pay you more or if you're better. Rare occurrences. The most uh, glaring occurrence to me was when Russell Wilson took the job from Matt Flynn. Go back and research it. Phenomenal story. That was mind-blowing. That's why Pete Carroll is who Pete Carroll is. He didn't care about how much Matt Flynn was making. He just said, Russell, you're better. It's yours. But Baker's better than Sam Darnold. Like, Baker had an atrocious year last year and is still significantly better than Sam Darnold. The numbers, the statistics, everything speaks for itself. As he's better than Sam Darnold, I don't need a competition for the sake of competition. Slick, here's what I hate and have hated about training camps. I've truly never seen quarterbacks go into a camp with some sort of fair competition and that season be a success for a team. It's just very, very, very rare. Like To your point, if you got two quarterbacks, you ain't got no quarterbacks. You might as well go all in on Baker Mayfield, say, hey, we're going to give you the starting job. You deserve the starting job based upon what you've done prior to arriving here. We're going to bank on you. It is your job to lose. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying Sam Darnold can't win the job, but it's got to be Baker's job to lose there in practice. Let's talk a little ball real quick. Every period, you have 12 plays. You typically go, hey, first team, four plays. Second team, three plays. Third team, two plays. First team, I think four plays again and you're done. Somebody do the math, but that's roughly how it goes. The first teamer, you get more reps because you're the first teamer. I am hurting Baker Mayfield and hurting Sam Darnold, thus hurting the team if I say, hey, Baker, You take three plays, Sam. You take three plays, Baker. You take two, Sam. You take... No, 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 no. Let me go all in on my guy and see what I can get. That's why I'm saying Baker
1: I get, I get that in almost every instance except what you're doing with Baker Mayfield. Because you're not just bringing in a better quarterback. You're trying to rehab Baker Mayfield. So for the sake of the Carolina Panthers, Baker Mayfield has something to prove. And I want the Baker that proved it in so many different places. So that's why I need the competition. It's not, to your point, it generally doesn't work, but let's look at the, the Carolina Panthers are one big experiment anyway. Yeah. They wouldn't have brought Baker in in True. this instance if it wasn't the case. So I'm really looking at it through the prism of how do I construct the best opportunity for Baker to be my starting quarterback? Cause that's the end game that I want. And I want the best version of Baker Mayfield. That's wise. I need to make it a competition. Right.
2: And even though Baker Mayfield has been better than Sam Darnold, he's not been that good. What has he done over the course of his four-year career? He had one playoff appearance and one playoff win. The rest of the numbers are completely average. Things fell apart when things were bad. He's, it's not like he's walking he's in better. here with... He's he, flat out he, better. He's better. What are the Browns? What have the Browns been over the past four years? Like, we're not talking about him coming off of a Super Bowl appearance. We're not talking him coming off of multiple playoff wins and then he had a down year. He's just a guy that can, can be a franchise guy. if a better if, guy if, than Sam if, everything. Sure, sure. But... We're also ignoring all of the toxicity that was going on in the locker room, all the very obvious immaturity that Baker displayed whenever he was the guy, all of the uh, the incidents with the reporters. Like, this isn't a guy that's walking in with some prestige and maturity and leadership. Sure. He has a lot to prove outside of just being better than he was in Cleveland, which was completely average.
0: He was above average in Cleveland. Wait, well, he, he was—he was, was, he, he he was, he was.
2: making he, he wasn't Okay,
0: okay. He was a Do
2: we want to go over the? Do we want to go over the records? Do we want to go over the numbers. We, little, do we want to do some? Do we want to do some comparisons to some other yeah. quarterbacks? I, the I was
0: with you until like that hurt my heart. He
2: was slightly yeah. above average in Cleveland. no yep. there we there go. go. All right. I will good. submit. We're That's good. all I he asked. Slightly above
0: average in Cleveland.
2: It is a win. There
0: we go. Coming up, several NFC quarterbacks. Boy, they are entering pressure this season. I'm talking about just about every quarterback in the NFC. But I'm going to tell you which quarterback should be under the most pressure and how much pressure your favorite quarterback is gonna be under that's next speak for yourself The quarterback play in the NFL is better than it has ever been. What that means, there are more quarterbacks under more pressure than have ever been before. I'm going to take you through every NFC division and tell you what quarterback in that division is under the most pressure. It might just be your favorite quarterback. I got Joy helping me out because, Joy, I just want you to toss a division out there, and I'm going to (laughs) go get us started. All
2: right, let's get started with the NFC West. Acho, which quarterback is under the most pressure?
0: NFC West. That means we're talking about Kyler Murray. We're talking about Matthew. Matthew Stafford, who just won a Super Bowl, but just got paid. Talking about one play, Trey, and lastly, we're talking about Drew Locke, maybe Geno Smith. For me, the most pressure, I gotta go with Trey Lance. Reason being, you got Jimmy G kicked out of the bay. Not only did you get Jimmy G kicked out of the bay, Jimmy G, he's a career 70% winner. All he does is win, 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 no matter what. I forget who sang that song. Nonetheless, Trey Lance is under the most pressure because Matthew Stafford, he just won a Super Bowl. He ain't under pressure. Kyler Murray, he just got paid. He ain't under pressure. And we don't even know if Drew Locke or Geno Smith is going to start. So for that reason, it's the man some call one play Trey, but maybe he'll be all day Trey.
2: Trey Lance has played in two NFL games in his career. He is essentially a rookie. And while I love Jimmy G too, The market is not as high on Jimmy G as we are. I gotta go with Kyler Murray. He just got paid. He had a really loud off season. There's gonna be pressure on him this year. Let's move to NFC North. Who's under the most pressure there?
0: NFC North, this is a tricky division because Aaron Rodgers got paid so much money that he couldn't keep the love of his life, Devontae Adams. Not only that, you got Kurt Cousins, we know what kind of pressure he's under. Jared Goff, second season in Detroit. And then Justin Fields, a whole lot of pressure for him, second year in the National Football League. But it's a simple answer for me. Kurt Cousins, I truly feel that every single year, Kurt Cousins is one play away from being a backup. Like he keeps having these bet on himself deals and he has garnered the most money in the last six or seven years, I believe, in the entirety of the National Football League. But Kirk Cousins is just one series, one game away from being on the bench in my mind. Now, he no longer has an excuse. We always said the Vikings limiting reactant was their defensive coach, Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer, no longer there. Now you have an offensive mind at the head coaching position. I get Justin Fields is under pressure, but first-year head coach, Matt Eberflus, former linebacker coach, not expecting a lot from Justin Fields or the Bears in this year. For that reason, Kirk Cousins. I get your bet on yourself, but every now and then when you bet on yourself, you lose.
2: Kirk Cousins is a Hall of Famer. I get him paid. That part. Yeah. Uh, Kirk Cousins does not have any pressure on him because that's what he is. We all know what Kirk Cousins is. He's nice. He's completely average. He's going to win some games. He's going to lose some games. There's no pressure on Kirk Cousins. (laughs) You got a back-to-back league MVP in Aaron Rodgers, who had the worst ending out of any team in the league last year. They get no, no pressure for it at all. It's fine. We can lose at home. We're the number one seed, back-to-back MVP. No big deal. We're going to lose to a wild-card team. The pressure's on Aaron Rodgers, as it should be. Let's go to the NFC South. Who's with the most pressure there?
0: NFC South might be the most tricky division of them all. Why? Because this man, Tom Brady, said, hey, I'm back. Besides that, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. Baker, you're kind of playing a little bit for your career. Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota, a starter once again. But the answer lies with the man in Jameis. Why? Because Jameis Winston is truly playing for $100 million in my mind this year. He's on a two-year... $28 million deal, a two-year $28 million deal. That is below average for a starting quarterback. What y'all don't know about Jameis in the midst of all your Jameis Winston jokes, he's one of nine quarterbacks to throw for 5,000 yards in a season, along with the likes of Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Dan Marino, et cetera. So Jameis Winston has shown he can be incredibly high, but he's also shown he can be incredibly low. So much pressure this season, because if he balls joy, They're ripping up the last year of that deal, and they're giving him 100 million. But if he falls, Joy, he might fall all the way down to the bench.
2: Yeah, I actually agree with you on this one. No pressure on Marcus Mariota. I love how we've just given the starting job to Baker Mayfield, (laughs) by the way, very slightly. And Tom's the goat. This is, I think, Jameis' last chance to prove that he's a starting quarterback, that he's a franchise guy in the league. I would agree with you. Finally, the NFC East, Emmanuel Acho,
0: most pressure. God, this division is so near and dear to my heart. Why? Because... This man, he's so near and dear to me. He, honestly, Carson once makes me feel a little fuzzy inside. We'll talk about that later. Um, Daniel Jones, God, dog, he's under pressure. Dak Prescott, $75 million last year, and you didn't even win a playoff game? Pressure. Jalen Hurts, the Eagles have given you literally everything a quarterback can want. What have you given them in Rehearn? Pressure. But the most pressure has to fall, Carson, I love you, but you're under the most pressure. It's very simple. Carson Wentz is on three teams in three years. If Carson Wentz struggles this year, he will not be on four teams in four years. That is 12.5% of the league in four years. Ain't no way that happens. Carson Wentz, he has proven the ability to ball, But we haven't seen it in such a long time. Now, I've seen it, but I look really, really hard for it. I squint. Joy hasn't seen it in a long time. For that reason, Carson Wentz, he's either going to be a starter moving forward or he might not even be on a bench. He just might be in somebody else's FL. Somebody else's league. Y'all can pick the letter before the FLs, but it's going to be somebody else's football league. It might not be the national one.
2: I agree this is Carson's last chance, but it's Dak Prescott. I mean, this this is the America's team. Jerry's getting a little impatient. Mike McCarthy's already on the hot seat. He's the one that's been paid. It's on Dak Prescott.
0: Can we have a quick conversation? Of all these people in the picture, can we at least admit he's the swaggiest? Like, we got the arm sleeve. You we got are not going to say this with Jalen Hurts up here on this board. Uh, this is a very bland, like, this is very bland. There's no swag here. Can we at least, I know you don't like Carson, but can we for a second at least appreciate, like, the one arm sleeve, very Allen Iverson. yeah, he, yeah,
2: he's look, he looks right, like, exactly like he's about to throw an interception right there.
0: Just right that's the interception. He just course. has to take it too far. He's got to take it too far. <laughs> Coming up, many are talking about Tuatunga to Violoa. Speaking of pressure. We're talking about Tua being in a now or never make or break dolphin season. But are the Dolphins putting too much on that man, Tua? Joy probably going to say so. But I'm going to give you a better answer. That's next. Speak for yourself. Okay, we gotta talk to Tua Iloa. That's that Dolphins quarterback that I love, but boy is he in some turmoil. It's a now or never season for him, if you let them tell it. Not exactly sure who them are, but I don't like none of them. Now with that being said, the Dolphins are loaded up on talent this season, and his teammates are feeling to and what he's got going, but everybody, not necessarily so much so. Slick, Rick, Buker. Are the Dolphins putting too much pressure on their third year quarterback, Tua Tungabailoa?
1: No, they're not putting any pressure on him. And I have the question your love for uh, quarterbacks is awfully sketchy. Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs>
2: Baker, Mayfield. Baker, Carson Wentz, yeah, Carson Wentz. Tua, Like,
0: wow. I love the guys that nobody else believes in. Yeah, you know, all right, now, I walk okay, down the street and I see sense. the quarterbacks that are yeah. holding the cups out, begging yeah. for change. Yeah. And I say you.
1: yeah, I love you. Yeah. Well, and that's what Tua is because Tua is very much this idea that he's got pressure on him. Look, the, the cat's out of the bag. They've been trying to find another quarterback for years. <laughs> years! And so... They they were off Tua already, and everybody's looking at, well, they got a new left tackle, and they got Tyree Kill, a wide receiver, and they brought in a new coach, and he's the coach, he's the quarterback whisperer. Like, all this is for Tua. No, it's not. It's for the next guy. Mm. Tua is the placeholder. They've already made the statement. So there is, Tua could put pressure on himself, but you can only have pressure, I believe, if you're trying to accomplish something, or there's something there that you're reaching for that's just beyond your grasp. That's not where Tua is, Joy. He's, this is, we're just waiting until next year. So there is no, there is no pressure on on it unless Tua is completely misreading the situation. And even in that case,
0: there shouldn't be any pressure. Golly, so no pressure because you think they're out. I don't really want to hear, you know what, Joy, I'm going first. I'm going first. I can only take so much Tua slander and I can feel the slanderous energy (laughs) from here. Uh, They're putting too much pressure on Tua. I'll say this, and Dolphins fans, I don't condemn you because I don't think it's coming from true Dolphins fans. It's coming from Dolphins imposters. Do not judge me if you're not going to help me. And what the Dolphins have done, those that condemn Tua, they are judging Tua, but the Dolphins haven't helped Tua. The great quarterbacks in the National Football League have won or at least Two weapons, Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Matthew Stafford, Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup. Oh, wait, now Allen Robinson, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams up until this point. Tua. For Tua's two seasons, his third leading receiver has been a running back. Tua's had Devontae Parker as his go-to guy, then Jalen Waddle as his go-to guy. Give Tua two dudes and see what he gonna do. You now gave him Jalen Waddell, you gave him Tyree Kill, and he going to give you some noise in return. 13-8 and as a starter. 13-8. A better winning percentage than Joe Burrow. 13-8 and as a starter. 13-8. A better winning percentage than Justin Herbert. I believe that winning and losing in the NFL is a quarterback stat. Why? Because quarterbacks touch the ball the most. So if I'm a win or if I'm a lose, it's dependent on my quarterback. The Dolphins with Tua have won. And the last thing I will say, Joy Taylor, is this. Though the Browns I know, I know. are the most publicly dysfunctional organization. Oh my God. The Miami Dolphins, your Miami Dolphins, are privately the most dysfunctional organization in football. And the last year, the Dolphins have had racism allegations, they have had tampering allegations, and they have had communicatory allegations, tanking allegations. Mm. In the midst of all of this. Tua has still been a winner. Do not judge me if you ain't going to help me. Give Tua some help, and you're going to see him give you even more wins.
2: Are you right, Hannah? Yeah. Okay. Get that warm. Yeah.
0: We <laughs> got a lot of work to do.
2: Here we go. Coming out of the bullpen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, listen, uh, it's just, we, we're we going to address the fact that you drop, try slipping that little line about the winning percentage in Joe Burrow. Okay. Because he just played in the Super Bowl. Mm. So let's just not do that. Mm. Let's just, let's just, we're going to, it's not, look, let's just, we're not going to just throw out some random stat that makes Tua look better than Joe Burrow. We're not going to do that. Joe Burrow is a better quarterback. Joe Burrow just took a traditionally dysfunctional organization in Cincinnati Bengals to the Super Bowl. Oh, you know what? You (laughs) can't back
1: off now after you threw that out (laughs) there. You can can back
2: off of that. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Here's the thing. The Dolphins have done absolutely nothing until this offseason to support Tua Tagovailoa. I have been saying this forever. That's why I said he should have started week one when you draft him over Justin Herbert. Who, by the way, he will be compared to? Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, as you just did. Now, incorrectly, but Joe Burrow just went to a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Same draft class. Justin Herbert, we know what he is. Same draft class. So he's going to be, rightfully so, compared to his peers Mm -hmm. and where they are in the league right now and where he is. Yes, the circumstances the Dolphins created for Tua were not ideal. He did not have support. They tried to replace him three times. Okay, They did not put a proper offensive line around him. They did not have an offensive system that benefited him. They did not give him the proper weapons. Well, all of those things are gone. That's gone now. you got an offensive coach. You've got an updated offensive line. You've got Tyreek Hill, Cedric Wilson. You've got Waddle. You've got tight ends. You've got everything that you could need. Running backs, Mm -hmm. everything and and publicly the support of the Miami Dolphins now Dolphins fans love Tua so I'm not even speaking to them they love Tua it's it's it, trust me they love Tua so that's not it. it and to his credit he has been impeccable at the microphone Who is trying to get replaced every minute of their career and start in this league and goes up and says the right thing every single time? So character-wise, leadership-wise, I have no questions with Tua whatsoever. Tua will have to prove that he is the franchise guy this year, and that is absolutely the correct amount of pressure he should have on him as a third-year quarterback in the National Football League. There's not too much pressure. It's not too much pressure. This is the year. You have everything that you could ask for as a quarterback. This is an ideal situation. Is it a little late? Sure. But the Dolphins finally did what they needed to do. They are finally publicly supporting him, and he has to step up this year. He
1: has to. And I think he will, but he has to. Okay, but here's the mistake, is the idea that they did all this for Tua. We we finally got around to it. They needed to do these things anyway. Yeah. And in the meantime, they have been looking For another quarterback. So you can't sell me on the idea that this was all done for Tua, and now Tua has to live up to it. It's simply, we're upgrading the team in every way possible. We could, they tried to upgrade at the quarterback position. They couldn't. They were able to elsewhere, so they did.
0: I understand Miami is known as South Beach, but we got to talk about grass because it's not as green where you are. It's as green where the heck you water it. Water that grass that Tua's standing on, and it will be luscious coming up man i gotta have some final thoughts because serena williams she announced her plan to evolve that is step away from tennis in a few months i'll give you my thoughts on what serena meant really for the world that's next don't go anywhere don't want to miss it it's time now for my final thought serena williams the greatest tennis player ever in my mind says that she is evolving away from tennis after the u.s open here in a couple of months well Serena Williams, to me, the greatest we've ever seen. Why? Because she has 23 Grand Slam titles, the most ever in the modern era. Along with that, she had 10 Grand Slams after the age of 30. The next four names on that list had 10 Grand Slams combined in that time period. Keep in mind that Serena Williams also won the Australian Open 2017 while she was pregnant proving the perfect depiction of being a mother, but simultaneously having a career and being a boss at it. Serena Williams won a gold medal. Four of them, to be exact. You see, Serena Williams is the perfect depiction of courage and strength. But when I really stop down and think about Serena Williams, I think of her as a trailblazer. I always say you have to see something to be something. But Serena Williams became the very thing that she didn't even see. Serena Williams didn't just play the game of tennis, she was the game of tennis, the two being synonymous. So Serena, for your courage, your championships, and your consistency through the chaos, I say thank you.